Welcome to Alaskwatch, the show all about Bigfoot in the great state of Alaska. I'm your host, Beans Baxter. So lace up your boots, zip up your coat, and come with me on an adventure as we explore all things cryptid in the last frontier. Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in. We've got something a little different here for you today. Today in the studio with me for, I believe, the first time in Alaska Watch history is my old lady, my wife, Tamron. Hi everybody. And uh, we're going to do something, you know, a little different. And uh, we were kind of brainstorming about episodes and I know a lot of people really like to hear about life in Alaska and what it's like living in Alaska. Mm-hmm. So uh, not, not a lot of Bigfoot content on this one. But a lot of talk of how to survive in Bigfoot country, I guess you could say. Uh, we're going to talk about winter in Alaska and, and living in through winter in Alaska. And uh, if you hear some uh, snores and snorts in the background, that's just our dogs. They're uh, sleeping peacefully, uh, not too far from us where we're recording here. So uh, try not to pay any attention to them. And uh, why don't you uh, tell us tell us what we're talking about today? Okay, so I want to call this episode Living in Alaska Winter Edition because there's so much to discuss. I feel like we have to break up the seasons, but um, I'm born and raised Alaskan, uh, which is actually kind of rare. Most Alaskans um, who are born here actually choose to leave and live somewhere else. Most people who live here um, come from somewhere else, so I'm a little unique, um, and I want to talk about what it's like to be from Alaska live in Alaska and be asked questions from people who are curious. Uh, what's the number one question you get asked from people when they find out you're from Alaska? What's the question? Is it always cold and is it always dark? Yep. <laughs> That's the number one question you're going to get asked when you're, when you finally find out you're from Alaska. So Alaska actually has four distinct seasons um, and our average winter temperature is 25, 35 degrees where we live. Because, you know, we're at the southern tip of the peninsula. Um, we actually prefer it to stay below freezing to avoid icy road conditions. In fact, today it got to 36 degrees. And sure enough, now we have icy roads, which is no fun. Um, so we actually prefer it to be a little on the colder side. And we love our snow. Um, now, it can reach more extreme temperatures in northern Alaska, closer to the Arctic Circle which averages closer to minus uh, 15 to minus 5 degrees. A little fun fact, uh, the coldest temperature ever recorded was in 1971, minus 80 degrees in Prospect Creek. Um, that doesn't sound very fun to me at all. I, when I was in the Army, <clears throat> I, I have slept outside in negative 60. <laughs> and I can say pretty much, I mean, granted I have not been in negative 80, but... I can say that once it hits about 20 below, negative 20, it all feels kind of the same. (laughs) It's just cold. Yeah. Okay, so that's a little bit about our temperature. Uh, The next question is dark all the time. So Alaska, you know, motto should be go big or go home because in the summertime we have the midnight sun and in winter it's the opposite. Now, it's not dark all the time, but... Where we live, traditionally, December, January, I'm going to work in the dark and I'm coming home in the dark. Um, I don't really have an issue with all the darkness. Maybe it's because I was born here, but a lot of people do struggle with it. 
actually has a name, Seasonal Affective Disorder. Uh, many people here will take vitamin D or go on tropical vacations in winter to battle the effects. And we're known to take tropical vacations in winter ourselves. <laughs> yeah, two, two years ago, on this date, we were actually in uh, Louisville, and we had went to see Metallica, remember? Yes, yes. And good thing we did it two years ago and not today because it's flooded. Yeah, they uh, had some record break. I don't know if it was record breaking, but just some torrential rain. And I, I guess the uh, the place that we stayed, it's right on the Ohio River. And um, I, I, it's the parking garage is flooded. I guess the hotel is closed. Like we could not be there right now. So, and I guess it's kind of a, it's happened before at the same area or the same place. So uh, I don't you know, you think they would build a wall or something around it? I don't know. I, I guess there's a reason why they can't fix it, but uh, it's got to be costing them quite a bit of money whenever it happens. Well, they built a casino right next to a main river, so um, perhaps that was not the best idea. Uh, speaking of the lower 48, though, that's what Alaskans call the lower 48 states. We just refer to it as lower 48. And when I first went to the lower 48 as an adult, I realized how close the towns are. So in the lower 48, you can drive, I don't know, 15 miles and go through five towns in some parts of the country. Um, Alaska, it's completely different. Um, most towns here are 30 to 100 plus miles <laughs> apart. Um, some sections, there will be absolutely nothing but wilderness in between with no cell reception. Now, this allows for some of the most pristine and amazing scenery, but it means you better be prepared for every possible scenario while traveling Alaska, even sometimes um, in your own town or in your own yard. Yeah. So do you want me to, to tell the story now? Um, yeah, you should probably tell the story so, about how dangerous it is just to play with your own dogs in the backyard sometimes in winter. <laughs> so uh, just... This was just a few weeks ago, probably toward the end of January. Uh, I had, you know, as, as everyone knows, I had recently retired and I found myself at home, you know, during the day. Uh, I was still working, you know, I'm working on my book and stuff like that. And I found, you know, I'd take the dogs out and, and play with them and uh, try and get them wore out so that I could sit down and, and work on the book. Well, one afternoon I, I took them outside. We're in the backyard. We've got a actually a pretty good sized property that we live on. But, uh, you know, generally during the winter, we only utilize the, the backyard right below the, or behind the house. Well, I had cleared out a spot for the dogs to play with their, the, they have this favorite ball that they play with. It's probably about the size of a soccer ball. And, uh, they had managed to get the ball over the snow berm. And there's probably about three feet at this point, there's probably about three feet of snow, in the backyard at this time that wasn't, I'm not talking about the area I plowed out. This is, you know, beyond the little play area where we were. And so they're light enough. They go over the berm and they go after the ball and they push it further down into the yard or backyard that kind of slopes. It's kind of downhill. So I, I call them and I call them. They're not coming back. They're, they're after the ball. <clears throat> so I'm like, well, I got to go get them. You know, if I get the ball and bring it back, they'll, they'll come back. So I post hole, that means I'm, I'm walking through this deep snow, like three foot snow. It's up to my thighs or higher. And uh, I'm not in the best shape to begin with. And so I get, I start, I start post holing down to where they're at. 
and uh, I get close to them and they're in this uh, wooded area and there's not, the snow's not very deep there because of the, the tree cover. And uh, I get close enough to them to get the ball and one of them pushes the ball even further away and it goes down downhill even more into another area where there is no tree cover and there's again like three or four feet of snow so i start trying to to walk out there to get the ball and they're you know they're chasing the ball around pushing it around and again they're light enough to stay on top of the snow i'm not and uh, i start sinking down in the snow to the and it's getting hard like i almost lost my boots you know it's getting hard for me to to move around and uh I start realizing like I'm sweating profusely, you know, it's even though it's probably, you know, in the thirties, I'm in the sunlight, I'm moving around, I'm exerting myself, I'm getting hot, I'm cold at the same time, I'm angry because they're they keep, I get I get close enough to grab the ball and they'd push it out of the way. <clears throat> and I start thinking about I'm like, holy cow, I might be in trouble here. I mean, I'm like less than a hundred yards from my house and if I don't get out of this soon, like I'm going to be in trouble. I'm either going to get too cold or too hot and I'm going to get hypothermic. And I ended up, luckily I had my phone in my pocket and I did have reception. So I did, I actually texted uh, her and told her I was in, I, you know, I was like, I might be in trouble here, but uh, I finally ended up like getting the ball and getting out of there. Uh, I think it, all, the whole ordeal was probably like a half hour or something. It took me, but I mean, I, I just, I had stepped outside just to play with the dogs for, you know, 20, 30 minutes. And I ended up thinking like, I might not get out of this. <laughs> and I was in my own backyard. And, uh, you know, that's one of the things about living in Alaska is you never quite know, just stepping out in your backyard, you never know what's going to happen. And, uh, thankfully I had my phone with me and I was prepared, but I mean, there's been times when I have stepped outside with no phone and, uh, it kind of puts things in perspective for you. Uh, everything worked out. Okay. And, uh, you know, uh, it's kind of embarrassing to say that I almost died outside playing with my dogs, but it, it, it could have turned out very differently. But uh, what, do, what do you think about that? Well, I mean, Alaska is a, a harsh environment, sometimes in even the best conditions. But um, having your phone on you was a great step to being prepared. Um, the one thing about moving in snow is it's kind of like moving in the ocean with the waves. It exhausts you. So you find yourself becoming exhausted very quickly you're wearing warm gear to battle the cold but when you start exerting yourself like that you begin to sweat so um yeah when you're a kid you don't notice it so much we used to play outside in the snow for hours i mean our parents would have to drag us in in the darkness we'd let it get so dark before we come in but now as an adult that was Harley. <laughs> As an adult, um, I find it very exhausting, but I still like to play outside. Um, here's an example. My mother, who lives um, 70 miles from us, that's an hour and a half drive, she decides to go snowshoeing. Now, she's in her 60s, but she's still really active. And, you know, she was moved here when she was six, so she's been in Alaska pretty much her whole life. Um, she knows how to handle the harsh conditions, but she straps on her snowshoes and starts walking um, down a trail not far from her house and she trips and falls. Well, the snowshoes get stuck at a 90 uh, degree angle, so they're straight up and down. She's face planted and uh, she can't get back up because the snowshoes have become trapped. She ended up having to reach down, unlatch her snowshoes, which wasn't easy in the deep snow and um, pull herself up out of the ground and um, 
you know, I imagine my dad would have came looking for her eventually. But, um, you know, you have to be careful. You know, she's snowshoeing her own property, falls, and is trapped. And it took a lot of energy for her to try to get herself out of that situation. So it's best in Alaska when our activity is to have uh, a phone. Or if you go in an area that doesn't have cell reception, like you're snow machining, um, have an inReach and tell people where you're going. Um, so they can look for you when you don't come back when you're supposed to. Um, yeah, that's my advice for winter activities. <laughs> so I, I have going back to my little adventure in the backyard, I have snowshoes. And when that, when I had such a hard time getting through that snow, I thought maybe I should go back to the house and put my snowshoes on. And I thought, no, that's ridiculous. I'm just going right here to get this ball. And it ended up turning into much more of an ordeal. I was actually like laying on top of the snow trying to distribute my weight so I wouldn't sink into it and trying to push that stupid ball around. But uh, I I don't know. Maybe if I went and got the snowshoes, I'd ended up in the same predicament as your mother. But I, it's another thing, you know, you just, you got to have the right tools for the job. I, I had snowshoes and and poles and I, I had the stuff in the house to, to handle that kind of environment. But I was, oh, it's just, it's just right over here. I'm not going to mess with it. It'd just take me a second. And uh, I ended up like texting her, like, I think I'm going to die out here. <laughs> so, Which I thought was a joke at first because we have a, a tendency to be sarcastic towards each other. And then he said, no, I'm serious. And I'm like, do I need to come and call the cavalry? <laughs> yeah, I, I would have never heard the end of it if a week after I retired from being a police officer, I had to have someone come and pull me out of the snow in my backyard. I would, I would have probably just died before I let that happen. So that's just an example of, um, things you can run into in your own yard. Um, we like to take our dogs for walks a lot of times as well. So we have to be prepared for, um, something that's unique to winter time. So as you know, most, most bears are hibernating at this point. Um, they do come out sometimes to go to the bathroom or eat, but for the most part, they're not a concern. Our biggest concern in winter is actually the moose. So they have those nice long legs, but even for them, the deep snow can be challenging. They prefer to stick near um, trails or highways. So when we do choose to take our dogs for walks, a lot of times we have walking sticks, bear spray, or even sometimes a firearm because the moose have a tendency to hang out on the roadways or the trails with you. And you never know when you go around a corner, you might run into a moose. Um, and a big concern, of course, is when we drive in winter, um, the moose hang close to the roads. It's easier for them to get to vegetation. They like the salt. So, you know, the Department of Transportation, which handles the winter uh, plowing and uh, sanding and salting of the roads, uh, the moose love that salt that collects near the side of the road. So you have to be concerned. We had a record one time. We drive between our town and my parents' town. Like I said, it's an hour and a half away. We drive it all the time, even in winter. And we had a record of 32 moose we saw one time just going one way. So um, that's not normal. Usually it's just two or three, but um, they have a tendency to hang out near the road and they will jump out at you in the darkness and it's not pretty. When yeah. um, It might have been more than that because I don't think we started counting until we got to like five or six. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, that was that was crazy. So... Talking about driving, um, we prepare ourselves, you know, for every possible scenario whenever we choose to drive, whether it's just to my parents' house, you know, hour and a half away, or the four hours it takes us to go to Anchorage to go shopping, um, and 
you know, I'll let Beans talk a little bit more about what we actually take, but um, we have learned over the years from mishaps or mistakes, um, trying to increase our arsenal <laughs> in our vehicles to be prepared for everything. So I'll let you talk a little bit more about that. So I always try in the wintertime, I always try and keep um, an extra blanket. Flashlights, of course, because it's dark so much during the wintertime. You want to have a, a flashlight with some fresh batteries, uh, extra batteries, and, of course, uh, blankets, uh, any kind of survival gear. You want to have anything that you need to maybe get your car unstuck, a toe strap, something like that. Uh, if somebody stops to help you, if neither one of you has a toe strap, it's not going to do you any good. Uh, maybe they can give you a ride or something, but it always helps to have a, tr a toe strap in a vehicle. I think I might even have two toe straps in the truck. I don't, I don't remember, but um, you know, and it's trial and error too. I've, I've learned through the years, I've added things to my kit and the truck. Uh, just recently, you know, we had a, this actually happened in the summertime, not the wintertime. We were out in a remote area, had a flat tire I went to change the tire and all I had was my, um, the, uh, factory jack that came with the truck. And I had, I had just a terrible time with it. It was, you know, sliding. I was on uneven ground. We were on a gravel road. And as soon as we got out of there, which I managed to get the, the tire changed and, and get us back on the road. But as soon as I got out of there, I ordered a, a better jack, a hydraulic jack and a jack stand not a jack stand but a jack um something you can put on the ground like if you're in mud or gravel or uneven ground to help stabilize your jack so it's not sinking down the ground it's not it's not moving uh, at one point i was trying to to take the uh, the tire off the the truck and the jack slid and the truck fell uh but it, luckily i was okay i was out of the way and that's just you know it's trial and error you you, you adapt and and you know you put things in your kit uh going back to the flat tire i had a can of uh fix a flat in the truck and as soon as the tire started going flat i was like oh no worries i've got fix a flat i'm prepared well that can of fix a flat was 11 years old and when i tried to use it it was like <laughs> like dust coming out of it. so uh, i had to resort to using the spare the spare tire so, you know, you've got to keep on top of your gear, too. If, if you've got something in there, you know, in wintertime, you know, check your flashlight batteries, change them out. Uh, check your check your uh, hydraulic jacks. Make sure they didn't freeze over the winter and break. You know, you got to keep up on your gear, the stuff you've got in there, because it might save your life. I'm a big fan. Like she said, um, I have a Garmin inReach, and I have a yearly plan with that. I never turn it off. I think when we first got it, I maybe turned it off, uh, you know, a few months out of the year when I didn't really go out much. Uh, we recently changed that because it seemed like we always, you know, even if we were just running up to Anchors to go shopping, uh, we would find ourselves like, oh, let's take the inReach just in case we break down. You know, we can call for help or we can let somebody know where we're at. So it's it's really important just to have a means of communication and a means of uh, self-rescue. In fact, I have one of my favorite shirts that I have. It's made by a company called 30 Seconds Out. It's a, a veteran-owned company. And it says, uh, it's got Thor's hammer on it, uh, the traditional Thor's hammer, not the one from the movies. And it says, no one is coming, it's up to us. And I think that's pretty fitting uh, in Alaska and, you know, being a rural police officer like I was, that's something that we often had to, to deal with. A lot of times, you know, we were it. We were 
we were the help. So you had to be ready for anything. You had to be able to help yourself and help whoever you were trying to help. And uh, that, that's a good motto that, you know, we try to live by up here is nobody's coming. It's up to you. So what do you want to say? So speaking of learning as we go, so it was eight years ago. We're going to take our kids. We have twins on a family vacation. We're going to take them to Florida. It is dead winter at this time. It's mid-December. We're go- we have to drive from where we live to Anchorage four hours away to get to the airport so we can fly out that night. So we're going on a tropical vacation. We've packed shorts and swimsuits and t-shirts and flip-flops. Uh, we start on the drive. Unfortunately, there was a storm, but you know we took our time, no problem. Uh, we get into the mountain passes where there is no cell reception, and this is before we had our in-reach. Um, and a gentleman passes us, unfortunately going too quickly. We run into him a few miles down the road. He is in the ditch. Um, and shockingly, we see this red liquid splattered on his windshield. And my first thought was this gentleman just killed himself. So Beans runs down there. I think there happened to be even a fireman behind us that was off duty. They run down there. The guy's okay. Turns out it's a bottle of Tabasco sauce that shattered. But... Um, the nearest hospital was Seward, which was about 80 miles away. He's going to drive himself there. We pull him out with our rigs. Um, and he says he's cold. Um, and we did not have a single piece of winter gear to give him. We had nothing but tropical clothes. So lesson learned. Now we bring a bag with us whenever we go anywhere with extra winter clothes. That's hats, gloves, um, pants, uh, extra pair of socks, because you just never know when you're going to break down on the side of the road, you're going to have an accident, or someone else needs your help. Um, you might need that extra winter gear. So that was a lesson learned from eight years ago. So <laughs> yeah. we definitely learn as we go. That was he, that was actually a rollover. He had he had rolled. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he rolled his car, which it it was a little. I think it was, if I remember correctly, it was a little Ford Ranger. Mm. And I mean, it started right up and, and went, but I. He was going too fast for conditions. He didn't have the proper tires. And that's another thing I can get into is if you're going to be in that kind of environment, sometimes you just don't know, you know, especially in places like in the lower 48 where the weather changes at the drop of a hat. But up here, if it's January, December-ish, you can bet that you might run into some bad weather. Uh, so you should outfit your rig, uh, studded tires or at least winter tire, good winter tires and, you know, have the good sense to drive safely so i've noticed in lower 48 they've been having some unusual weather patterns so perhaps some of you are experiencing weather you've never seen before including ice and snow um one thing here in alaska that unfortunately not all alaskans do but most of us know is in winter time give yourself plenty of space to stop so um whether you're behind a vehicle and you're just traveling or there's an intersection you have to make sure to give yourself plenty of time to slow down because you will slide um and sometimes even having the best tires isn't going to help you all that's going to help you is defensive driving but um you know we had something happen uh the other night saturday night so just a couple days ago we attended you know a gathering and we're in the truck and the weather was fine you know it was clear skies it was just a few inches of snow on the ground but we're taking um, some friends of ours home and they live on the mountain like we do but they leave on the east side we're west side um west side west side <laughs> west hill not east hill but we live you know 900 feet above sea level it's you're climbing a mountain 
no problem, right? So we're going up there, we get them dropped off at their house. Now, another thing about Alaska is we live on remote roads. So when you start heading down a road in Alaska, there's a pretty good chance that's the only way in and out. It's not like roads in lower 48 where you've got a bunch of side roads. So we get them dropped off. At this point, it's uh, midnight. Our dogs have been by themselves for five hours. I'm eager to get home and get them uh, a potty break and I miss them. So <laughs> we start making our way back home and it must have happened just like two minutes after we went by. There was a neighbor down the road, not our neighbor, our friend's neighbors. Uh, at this point, we're about five miles from home, I think, um, got stuck. So they were leaving their house and they misjudged the ditching and went right into the ditch. They're blocking the entire road. There is no way out. So unless we can get this person out of the ditch, whether by our, you know, our vehicle or a tow truck, we're not making it home. And unfortunately here where we live, we really only have one towing company. So if they're somewhere else, like 20, 25 miles away, you know, you might be waiting hours. So luckily the gentleman comes up to us and he goes, do you have a tow strap? And I said, yes, we do. So we have a tow strap. I'm not sure why he didn't have one, but I'm sure he does now. <laughs> so we were able to pull him out of the ditch. Um, it took about 20 minutes. It took some finagling. Um, a mistake people make here in Alaska, especially if they're not from here, they think that these snow berms on the side of the road have um, ground underneath them. Uh, they don't. They have ditches. So you will get sucked right into them if you're not careful. Um, but we were back on our way. Um, heading home, we had to climb higher up the higher up the mountain, and at this point, we're gonna go. Um, it's actually like a horseshoe east and west hill. You know, you go up the different hills and they connect at the top. So we're just gonna go over the top and head to our side of the mountain. Um, so I'm going along. I'm going slow. You know, I'm taking it easy. I got my high beams on. It's 12:30 at night, um, and then sure enough, uh, a yearling, which is a moose that kind of just got kicked out of the nest. So he's uh, not quite a year old. But the moms right now are go away. You know, they're pregnant. They're getting ready to have the new babies. So they kick all their young out. And these uh, moose are still quite inexperienced. He's running down the middle of the road. Now, um, the berms on the side of the road are five feet plus high. He cannot uh, get over them. So what we're hoping for, he'll go down someone's driveway or side road. But being an inexperienced moose, he's running down the middle of the road. I'm going 10 miles per hour. And we were behind him for at least a mile, I would say. I don't uh, think it was that far. You know, it felt like a mile. At this point, <laughs> I'm in, I'm almost enraged because I'm just, I want to go home. Uh, every, every obstacle is just in our way. But, um, you know, another example is the moose are struggling to stay in the woods. They're hanging out near the roads, especially the young ones. And you just never know when one's going to come popping out of a driveway or over a berm. Um, it's something that happens all the time. But um, it was just another example of how Alaska will throw things at you when you're just trying to get home. Yeah. We actually have uh, some dash cam footage of, of both of those incidents. And we'll, uh, we'll put together a little YouTube video and we'll... Uh, put it in the show notes so you can kind of see our our journey to try and get home on saturday night it was it was weird it was just uh one obstacle after another and uh but we got home finally because because we had a toe strap and because we were watching for wildlife uh if not i mean we might have I don't know what we would have done. I guess we would have had to spend a night somewhere else and hope the dogs could hold it till morning. Um, so I would get um, 
tell somebody I know who lives on that road with a four-wheeler and say, you're giving me a ride to my house. I'm getting to my dogs. <laughs> I'll leave uh, I'll leave you at your friend's house. I'm going to go get the dogs. <laughs> but um, so, no, it is a big learning process. We don't always know everything. Um, sometimes we have to learn as we go. But Alaska is a wonderful place to visit in winter, especially if you like outdoor activities. Um, it's pristine here. It's so quiet in winter. I love a fresh snowfall. I'll step out into, you know, our back porch and you just, you can't hear anything. It's just so quiet and so beautiful um, here. I, I do love winter. Um, at this point, I'm kind of over it, though. I, I'm starting to get the spring the spring bug. You know, I'm kind of ready for summer to, uh, to show itself. But um, yeah, you should definitely come visit in wintertime. And if, you know, if you have any questions or you're curious about anything, you know, you can always contact Beans and, you know, happy to answer. Um, I love talking about Alaska. You know, I've lived here pretty much my whole life. I lived out of Alaska for about two years. Um, after I got married, um, we went to Kentucky, which is a different set of problems than Alaska. <laughs> but um, I love living here. Um, I hope people come visit. And of course, if you have any questions, you know, send Beans an email or a message. And um, if he can't answer it, maybe I can. But <laughs> hopefully you guys have enjoyed um, talking about winter in Alaska. Anything can and will happen. Um, Alaska is... The last frontier for a reason um and it's an unforgiving place but it's also very beautiful yeah we used to sell alaska that used to be your job she worked <laughs> yeah, in tourism and i she, did she t would talk uh, all day to people that had never been to alaska and tried to convince them to come to alaska i didn't have to do any convincing all <laughs> i had to do was just talk about how much i love it and uh, they'd be happy to to come you know i hope everybody who wishes to come to alaska has the opportunity to do so whether that's summer or winter um it is a wonderful place to visit and live yeah it's intimidating though especially for it seems like for me for people that live where i grew up I mean, how many people on my side of the family have come to visit us? Like, two, two, well, my, my cousins came up on the cruise, mm. and then my dad came up basically to get the grandkids. So, I mean, I don't even know <laughs> if we can count that. He didn't really come willingly. He came because he had to get the kids. We've even offered to pay for uh, people's plane tickets to come visit us. It's like, come visit us. You know, we'll pay for your plane ticket. You'll stay with us. We'll show you around. You know, we have all the equipment to go take people out and see things. You know, we'll go fishing, it'll hiking, four-wheeling. Nope. <laughs> I, I can't go to Alaska. That's what I hear. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, it, it's a great it's a great place to um, to live. So um, I encourage people to, you know, to try to come if they can. Yeah, and I mean, this was we could probably do an, another one of these a two-parter just on winter because we really. There's quite a bit of stuff we didn't even talk about. We didn't talk about winter activities or anything like that. We basically just talked about winter driving, and uh, we could, and your and snowshoeing attempts. Yeah, and <laughs> almost dying in my backyard with my dogs, who would have probably started to eat me after like an hour. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know, we could we could do a whole another episode just on this, and uh, then you know, we, I'm sure we'll do a, a summer version too, where we talk about the. Uh, the intricacies of living in Alaska in the summertime. Yeah. Mm. 
they are <laughs> sawing some yeah, logs. Yeah, that's the, that's the snoring there. Which, yeah. I mean, if you want to, I guess we should talk about Bigfoot at least a little bit. So the big question is, if Bigfoot does not hibernate like the bears do, how does Bigfoot struggle in the snow? Is it like the moose where um, actually wintertime is the time of the wolf? So wolves love wintertime because they're just light enough to stay above the snow. The moose are not. So that's their prime hunting season for wolves is winter. So if Bigfoot is as heavy as he's supposed to be, just like the moose, is he or she struggling in the snow like the moose are? Well, I've always wondered because, I mean, it's in the name, Bigfoot. Do you think their foot is big enough that it acts like a natural snowshoe and keeps them above maybe this, the, from sinking too far deep in the snow? Uh, that's a really good question. I mean, I know, of course, this doesn't really compare in size, but if you look at the paw, uh, paw of a lynx, their paw size compared to their body size, um, it's massive. And it allows them to stay above the snow. Um, perhaps, you know, you can test it out. I mean, <laughs> take your snowshoes and load yourself with as much gear as possible and go see if you sink in the snow. But, um, yeah, how does Bigfoot um, deal with wintertime? And um, we can talk a little bit about moose, um, what they eat. They love eating willow and birch bark. Um, they do try to get the grasses um, near the road or areas where the snow isn't so deep. But they actually survive off of a lot of bark um, in wintertime. And, in fact, um, talking about identification, moose's... Um, Scat in winter will be those hard round pellets that most of you probably have seen online or, you know, in videos about Alaska. But oftentimes in summer, um, people will mistake moose poop for um, bear um, because it can be a little bit runnier. They're expecting the pellets. But um, so what is Bigfoot eating in winter? And um, is he staying above the snow? <laughs> I don't know. If I knew that, I, I would probably uh, I'd probably be a richer man. <laughs> Because I'd know, I'd know where to go to get one. Um, I think that they probably go into... They don't hibernate, I don't think. But I think they probably go into a, a state of uh, what is it, topor, I believe is what it's called. Uh, something similar where they just they do as little as possible and just get do enough to survive, basically. Uh, there's not a lot of sightings in the wintertime up here, or really in, in many places. Uh, I keeping track of sightings and activity most places see the most activity in uh, fall and spring and uh, but you could also argue that you know there's more people getting out into the woods in spring and fall and that's why there's more sightings but uh, there's also a lot less roadside crossings and stuff in the winter time and I know I've done quite a bit of squatching in the winter time and I have not had much luck at all in the winter usually it's uh, in the late fall and uh, spring when i have any any kind of results up here so it almost sounds to me like they're more like bear then because even though we have less tourists in summer alaskans um have quite a bit of winter activity we've got the snow machiners we've got fishermen you know ice fishing and you know the bears like to go into the high mountains to hibernate because they don't want it to warm up it'll bring them out of hibernation um so they actually go high into the mountains to hibernate which the snow machiners and the skiers will sometimes get that high um, so are they perhaps going into the territory of, um, Bigfoot while they're up there? But, um, the reason why there's a lot of activity in spring and fall, if I had to guess, was just like the bears in the spring, they're starving. 
So they're eager to come down and try to get as much food as they can while they wait for the fish. And then in fall, they're going after berries and then the last of the dying fish, you know, that have spawned, um, trying to fatten up as quickly as possible for going to winter sleep. So perhaps Bigfoot um, have a lot of similarities to bears. Yeah, possibly. Um, and we know that uh, in Rinko Sasquatch, you know, J. Robert Alley's book, there's a tale of a bear and a Sasquatch coming out onto a beach almost at the same time and basically, you know, whoop, nope, I'm going the other way. And um, I personally, my theory is I think they do their best to avoid each other. And um, you were talking about wolves all ago, and that really that really kind of brought some questions into my mind. How many wolf versus Bigfoot uh, battles have been fought out there? <laughs> I would not want to take on a pack of wolves, um, even if Bigfoot is as big and as strong as um, they should be to be able to survive up here. Um, wolf packs are known to bring down, you know, 1,200 pound moose. They'll take on uh, bears. Um, you know, there's nothing like a pack of uh, animals working together. Um, so perhaps the only way Bigfoot can survive a wolf attack would be if they had their own pack. Well, there's a, <clears throat> there, you know, there's a pretty widely as it's not a fact but most uh bigfoot researchers posit that bigfoots really don't like dogs uh you know you hear about them when they come around people's houses stuff like that bigfoot not dogs that you know they really they don't they don't suffer the dogs much they'll the dogs will uh go into the woods and, and not come back and and stuff like that so you could definitely make a um, connection that they that bigfoots have maybe a Oh, just a, a dislike for canines, and it could go back to the wolf thing, where they just have a hatred of of, of wolves and and just avoid them at all costs or take them out at all costs. Well, that would make sense because it's the true um, same thing for moose. The reason why moose a lot of times will attack dogs um, that aren't even bothering them. Um, if you're just walking your dog and you're trying to leave, the moose will charge um, because they see the dog as a wolf, which is their number one predator in winter. Um, so moose do not suffer dogs at all. Um, they're actually my biggest concern, um, especially in winter, but pretty much all, all year round, you know, is the moose is my biggest fear because they're just so common. But um, that would make sense um, if Bigfoot don't like wolves or dogs. Um, moose don't either. Yeah. On the next episode of Last Watch, wolves versus everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I love, I love wolves. They're just amazing, amazing pack animals. They're fascinating. But um, I think at this point in the episode, if we're done talking about Alaska, which I can talk about forever, but we've probably overwhelmed people with all this information, um, we should talk about our upcoming uh, launch party. That is right. I we should have said something at the beginning of the episode because if they didn't make it all the way through, they're going to miss. It. You know what? Maybe I'll record an intro and put it in there. But uh, on March 20th at 3 p.m. Alaska time, I think that's going to be about 7 p.m. on the East Coast, uh, we are going to have a launch party, a live launch event. It's going to be live on Facebook, YouTube, and possibly Instagram. And it's going to be, well, what's it going to be for? Oh, it's going to be for your book, Abandon. So um, it is coming out soon. Um, it'll be available at that time on Amazon. Uh, hopefully we'll have our author copies in, if not soon after that. For those of you who want to get um, personalization or autographs, um, they can buy them from our website, lastsquatchpodcast.com. 
But um, if you're eager to just get them right away or you're not really worried about an autograph or personalization, you can always get them from Amazon. But um, we're going to talk about the book. We're going to talk about what it's like to self-publish through Amazon. Um, Beans, of course, is the author. I had the pleasure of being the editor. I've never been an editor before, so that was a learning experience. But um, we'll talk about the book, what it was like to write the book, publish the book. Um, and then, of course, we'll talk about uh, Bigfoot. Yeah, and they will. Yeah, I'm, we're gonna have to end soon. I'm starting to lose the ability to speak. Uh, we're gonna talk. We're gonna have some giveaways. Uh, we're gonna give away a couple of copies of the book and some other goodies. Yeah, some merchandise. So, um, yeah, thanks everyone for uh, listening, and for those of you who um, join us on the launch party. You know, hopefully we'll have a good time. And um, as always, thanks for supporting uh, Alaska Watch. Um, I really appreciate it. Yep, you can. Sign up for the to attend the event on Facebook. If you just go to the Alaska Watch Facebook page and uh, scroll down till you see the event, you can go ahead and uh, if you click going, Facebook will give you a little reminder uh, right before it starts. And I believe you can do the same same thing on YouTube. There should be an event on YouTube uh, that you can be reminded of if uh, you want to watch it on YouTube. And uh, you can go to alaskawatchpodcast.com as well. Go over to the news section, and there should be a link over there. It will take you to directly to the Facebook event. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I really appreciate everybody's support, and I hope everybody can get their hands on a copy of the book because I'm really proud of it, and I think I'm, it's I think it's really going to be a good book. I think people are really going to enjoy it. They're, <clears throat> well, we'll get into this there in the launch party, but uh, there, there's some stuff in the book that uh, you can't find on the Internet, which is rare these days. I've actually gone out and uh, done some old-fashioned investigating, and uh, it's, it's going to be in the book. I think it's going to be interesting. Okay, well, thanks, everybody. Have a great night. Bye-bye.